Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever panel discussion, Good Humans podcast in collaboration with the Post School Podcast. My name is Cooper Chapman. I'm here with Nathan Moss and also the Honourable James Griffin, both great friends of mine. How are you guys going? We're all right. Good. It's Friday in Manly. Friday in Manly is pretty good. With good you, weather. With yes. good weather. <laughs> you can't ask for much more. Yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty beautiful. So today is going to be a pretty fun chat. James, you reached out to me a few weeks ago saying it's about coming around to election time. You wanted to let me know about some of the things you got coming up and I didn't want to make this podcast a sort of political statement and just make it sh- me show my support for me. You're not even in my local area, so I can't vote for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I have had spent some time yeah. with you over the last couple of years. We've formed a great friendship. You've been on this podcast before. So today I wanted to give a bit of an opportunity for both myself and Nath as young, I feel like community members who do have a bit of a voice to have a bit of an opportunity to quiz you a bit about the political system as a whole here in Australia, because it's so bloody confusing. Yep. And I feel like I'm pretty switched on and I have no idea. I had you on the podcast and you told me all about it and I already forgot. So <laughs> today, Nath is going to ask you a few questions about the whole system. And then I have a few questions towards the middle of the chat. That'll be about a few kind of specific hypotheticals. And then we can get into the finish, the final part of the chat what you're up to, what your vision is in the future, what your uh, sort of election promises are moving forward and what that means. So, yeah. Great. Looking forward yeah, to the chat. I'm excited to jump into it. I guess actually it's probably a good place to start is telling you a little bit about the Post School Podcast mm. so you can have a bit of context. Yep. So like the Post School Podcast and Uncle Nathan as a brand is basically something that I started to help young people transition from high school to the real world. Mm. And I feel like politics is such a massive part of that, but also something that I never learned at school mm. and have no idea where to learn outside of school. So I'm super excited to be sitting down with you today to learn all about that sort of stuff. I guess like, where do you start with the political system? Like what's the, what's the basis as someone who knows nothing, what's the first sort of thing that you need to learn? Australia is a democracy. Yeah, that's a good place <laughs> to start. <laughs> that's it, that's it. But it's, um, it's a good question because it is, it is quite complex. And I think a result, that's because you have got to go back in time. And if you go back in time to when um, uh, Australia was colonized and we've just come through Australia Day and that evokes a lot of different opinions and views from different people and it's really good that we're having a, a fresh discussion and, and much needed discussion about that particular day and the pain that it brings for First Nations people. But our um, democracy was imported from um, England and it's called the Westminster system which is basically the, the concept of a parliament whereby people in a community elect their representative to go and advocate on their behalf but where it gets complex is that a lot of people know about Canberra and federal parliament and then they get a bit confused the fact they live in New South Wales and then they've got a state parliament but also then they've got a premier and maybe a mayor if they live in a local town. So what you've actually got is three different layers of government and each of those different layers of government ha- has an election at a different point in time. 
And where it gets a bit even more confusing is that each of those layers of government is responsible for different things. And I think through COVID, uh, many people for the first time came to really appreciate what the state government was responsible for. And if you throw your mind back, it was about health and how the hospital system ran. It was about how schools were open or shut. It was about how the borders were open or shut. Yeah, policing. Policing, all that sort of stuff. Whereas generally the media will concentrate on what happens down in Canberra because that's where the Prime Minister is. So it's it's because Australia was a federation of different states. So you had you had them decide, all right, we're gonna have Victoria and Queensland and you know um, New South Wales and Tasmania, and they just became carved up basically as different parts of Australia. Um, and a premier or each of those states had a had a parliament. And then over time the the federal parliament um, came to be so it looked after the country as a whole and each of those different levels of government looks after something different so wow yeah <laughs> there's a lot yeah there's a lot and sometimes that's really important and helpful because when australia is going and dealing with the war in ukraine for example right or at the un you need to speak as a country so you need your federal parliament or the representative to do that mm. you couldn't have new south wales rocking up at the un and saying hey here's our view as a state of Australia. So there are reasons why and roles for each level of government. But the state government um, is typically tasked with service delivery. That's the way of thinking about it. So the things that impact your lives, the schools you go to, the hospitals you go to, um, the police, um, road that's you all on. roads you drive on, um, generally managed by the state government. Yeah, interesting. So like my understanding of politics albeit very limited, is that when I pay taxes, that money goes to the government and it's used throughout the country to do things, essentially. And then my, the other side of that is there's policies that different governments put into place to try and essentially make the country better. Yep. So can you try and help me with the link between when I pay tax, where does that money go and how does it flow through to different policies mm. at different levels of government? Absolutely. So... It's a really good way of thinking of it. Mm. All of us in this room, through the tax that comes out of our pay packet, um, fund the services and everything that goes on in this country. A portion, but but then the state generates um, revenue through other levies, for example, like stamp duty or when you sell, buy and sell a house. Um, the council issue you with a rate payers notice so they collect rates to then pay for the rubbish collection but if you're getting paid a dollar and you only get 60 cents or whatever it might be or 50 cents in your bank account the other 50 has gone in large part to the federal government to help them pay for um, medicare or um, our defense forces or the environment budget or whatever it might be so you as a voter get to basically and this is where if you can make the leap of why does my vote matter? I'm just one person. Well, with your one vote, you are sending a message about how you want that, how you want your taxes to be spent. The priority of each competing person that wants to represent you will have a view generally formed by the party they maybe belong to um, about where the money should be spent. So you actually have a really powerful um, role in determining this is the priorities that I want to back in this is where I want my money to be spent. Yeah, right. So then how is Parliament sort of jumping coups? Because no, this is going to go off the back of this and it's going to be quick. What I've recently kind of started thinking about tax in my head is it's like you're paying a subscription fee to the country. 
And since I've been thinking about it like that, it makes so much more sense. Like when people complain about tax, I'm like, yeah, but it's like if you don't pay your Netflix subscription, you're not going to have any movies to watch. If you don't pay your government tax, you're not going to have any services. You're not going to have a country being run. So I don't know, just to throw that in, I feel like it makes sense for the for the younger demographic to think of it like that. Maybe. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I think you can even attach that to the vote. Like there are some countries where people are still fighting and having wars for the right to vote. There are some countries on the other extreme where you don't even have to vote and half the population don't care. Mm. But that's really bad because that means not everyone is paying their subscription, so they don't care, yeah. right? So the fact that we have a vote and everyone must do it means that everyone's got to buy in. Like mm. everybody's got a stake. That's why this conversation is so important because I feel like I reckon the numbers got to be like close to 60, 70% of people have no idea about politics. Mm. You know, I don't know what the numbers are, but in my opinion, that's probably where I'd throw the dart and guess. Yeah. Well, I think our personal journey and friendship has been really insightful in terms of we connected over surfing mm. because the government was trying to fund like a, to secure yeah. a surfing event. And then that formed a discussion between you and me, which then evolved into mental health and all the mm. rest of it and started you on your journey and your kind of political awakening of a bit more how it works. But Still it goes back to, to Nathan's point. Like <laughs> it, it was government funding that was helping get the surf event up. So, you know, um, it does also play a role on a very hyper-local level and support people's interests. Yeah. I think something that I'm still like super confused about though is you mentioned the different parties, like you've got Labor and Liberal and I've heard Independence and Greens and, yep. and all these different things. And it's like, sure, if my vote then has an impact on I'm basically saying this is where I want my money spent and what I want it spent on, does each party have its own level of impact as well within Parliament? Yep. So just to complicate things a little bit more, <laughs> okay, the, the two major parties, um, actually, and the minor ones, uh, are, or the two, the two kind of significant historical parties in this country, which generally reflect the political makeup of around the world, uh, you've got um, the Liberal Party and the Labor Party, and both of them have philosophies that basically drive their worldview and their vision of, how, of what you want to do. Um, and they they kind of that sets the agenda and the, and the perspective in terms of um, what how they will spend the money and where they think the priorities are and that, that changes over time but by and large um, the, you know the 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 liberal party has been one of supporting small business freedom of the individual freedom to worship love you know be with whoever you want um, and minimize government interference in people's lives mm. if you were to really simplify it That's exactly how my daddy described it to me <laughs> yeah and the labor party are uh, one of um you know unionized um sort of social democratic um government has a bigger role to play in people's lives uh and they have a different worldview on things and then you've got the greens which is pretty straightforward what they stand for and then you've got kind of the the fringe or minor parties like One Nation and, you know, and then it kind of gets a bit mm. stranger. As you and so what's there. like the independence? So then you've got the rise of the independence who put forward a view that they don't think that the two-party system has achieved what it needs to. Mm. And so they stand as an individual 
saying that they re- they there to represent the wishes People of the community. Of community yeah. yeah, right. And do they have much of an impact against such a big party? Well, then if you think about how you pass legislation in parliament or you put you know you move forward on your agenda, you need to have a majority in the parliament. And so in the federal parliament right now, the Labor Party have majority. So they just get on with their agenda. Um, the, you have the leadership of the government, which is the, the ministry, which is uh, basically the, the heads of each of the departments or areas of the government that meet with the, the, the prime minister or the premier, and you set the agenda and deliver on what you need to do. An independent won't be a part of that because they're not a part of a party. So theoretically, if you had enough independents who didn't agree with the party in power, could they then stop that agenda from going through? Yeah. So then That's in really New South Wales at the moment, we rely on working with um, various independents to to put to get the agenda through. Mm. So we've got the member for Sydney, for example, Alex Greenwich. He's an independent. We've got a guy down in Wagga Wagga who's an independent and a bunch of others. Isn't and, there Mossman? Uh yeah, he, she's yeah. in federal parliament though. Federal parliament. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so so and that's kind of a messy marriage that yeah. works, if you will. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Wow. My God. I, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of think of a committee, you know, and you, you yeah. you're all trying to you've each got your own thing to do, or you've got a board of a business who are okay. We've got an agenda that we're going to carry through. You're not always going to have a, a shared view, but the shareholders of that business vote for what they want yeah. over time. Yeah, so right. So there are Fair parallels enough. there. So then do like Coops and I, who aren't a part of the political system mm-hmm. other than our vote, are we able to have a say in certain policies? Or like if, if I see something in Manly that I want to address, like am I able to yeah. not introduce a policy but like say to you, hey, this is something that I really want to look at? Absolutely. You, you guys, and this is where it's such a mind trip for me is like, you you're actually the masters. Yeah, the government serves yeah. the people. You run the show. Mm. You guys run the show. So if if you turned up or um, had an issue or wanted something done, came and sat down with me, and you know we would try to generate an outcome, and either I could say, "Yep, here we can work on a way to do that," or "Here's why we haven't been able to do that," or "These are the thing. These are the roadblocks." But at the end of the day, a, a good parliamentarian is there to serve the people like that's what it's all about service and i think the disconnect and to your point around 60 70 percent of people not knowing is because like politics has become i think as the media landscape has changed it's just it's just become so disconnected from a lot of people Mm. and so they just feel quite like you know what I, i it's too complex I don't associate with a politician. They're mm. all they're all white guys, and like, what what does my voice really matter? Mm. Yeah, I just feel like it's so like you said the confusion of it's just so, there's so many levels. So let's talk about voting. Yep. So we vote for the federal parliament. You told me every three years. I thought it was. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> State parliament every four years. I feel like I vote more than <laughs> twice every four years. But anyway. Um, I've only voted once since I turned 18. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm. That was last year? Yeah. What? 20? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 2020. Yeah, no, no, last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's um, let's talk about voting. So we have our state election coming up yep. very soon. How many – obviously, I'll talk from New South Wales because that's where my address is and where I 
um, yeah, where I vote, when this comes around in a few weeks, how many electorates are there in your South? I think you said around 90. 93. 93. Yeah. Wow. See. An electorate is like <laughs> an electric it is like an electorate is like an area, Pit right? Water. Yeah, Wakehurst. Like yeah, so okay, yeah. an electorate is the name of the a seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are ninety-three seats in the parliament and you get elected to represent your electorate. Right, yeah. Okay. Yep. And you're the member for Manly. For Manly. And even though the name just says Manly, it actually goes all the way from Manly to DY. Mm-hmm. So each electorate's around 75,000 people and that's how they determine it so some come and go like based on population movements over time and boundaries might change to keep it around 75,000 people and yeah there are 93 of them in the state and Manly's a pretty small one geographically and there are some out in far west New South Wales the size of Germany wow yes because it's not so densely populated yeah yeah so so i've always thought of it like suburbs but when you put it from a population perspective that makes so much sense yeah Uh because each person's only meant to manage a certain amount of people okay so the election's coming around with each person in their seat Mm. how much of an impact can each electorate have when it comes to the overall parliament for new south wales parliament if there's 93 because this is a question that nathan and i both had hypothetically Labor gets into mm-hmm. New South Wales Parliament, but you still win the Manly seat. Yep. Does that mean you have far less saying, can barely do anything, yep. but you still have to sit in your seat and yep. kind of go in and try and like, is there a Labor member for Manly right now that? No. So if you get in, you're you, in, if not. Yeah. You're... You have the government and then you have the opposition and quite literally in Parliament, they sit, we sit on either side of the chamber on the on the, on this side you have the government then you've got the the speaker in the middle and then on the other side you've got the opposition yeah and that over time changes depending on who gets the majority of the 93 seats okay so all we need is is one seat and okay i think i just fully worked something out in my head okay all right <laughs> i think i'm gonna try and explain Light it ball. i think that makes more sense to me so I'm going to explain it like footy teams. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Liberal wins 50 seats. I've obviously got the majority. Let's make it easy. Labor wins 43 seats. Yep. Liberal sits on one side. They're the parliament. Labor sits on the other side. They're the opposition. Yep. But they're still representing their electorates that have picked them. Yep. And they're kind of going into bat for Labor and yep. their electorates. But they have to sort of convince the Liberal Party. Yep. To give, oh, like, no. but yep. at the end of the day, like, if you both both parties are serving the people, like, I'm sure, so, and that's so, what we talked about last time. We see so much in politics; it's always bickering and arguing. Yeah. I can imagine 95 percent of it is civil and making stuff work together, or nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and and that's where the labels are really important. So at that point, oh, I just had a big label. Yeah, that was good. So so you cease <laughs> if you win, you you pretty much cease being the Liberal Party, and you you were the government. Yeah, and the government regardless of whether it's Labor or Liberal, should serve, it, it should not look at it all f- through the prism of, oh, that's a Labor seat. It's just what what are the needs of the people there? Yeah. And yes, they're disadvantaged because they're not like driving the bus, Yeah, the, the, the people in opposition, but you still, like the role of government is to not um, serve the state based on who, who it wins. Yeah. Um, otherwise, 
you're never ever going to keep winning. Pork barreling, isn't it? When yeah. People who win the seat look after their yeah. electorate, which but, or, is, you, yeah. or you won't keep winning. Yeah. Because people just go, oh, hang on a minute, like you only looked after half the place. Yeah. You, you've done a terrible job, get out. Okay. Yeah. That so, analogy made a lot of sense though, because it's almost like without the opposition, then the people in power could just do whatever they want mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So you almost that, need them to play devil's advocate in a sense. Yeah. And, and, and a good contest That's what a democracy is. is. Yeah. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a contest of ideas. So every four years, you guys call the shots and go, uh, I like what they've done. I don't like what they've done. Um, for some people, it's like a very small thing that impacted them over those five year, four years where they're like, I'm going to change my vote. Or for mm. some, they're like, they, they're just hooked into, no, nope, this is my worldview. I support this way of thinking. So I'm going to vote for this particular party or person. Mm. That was one of my questions, actually. When I do vote, should I be voting for the person or the well, policy? That's another great question. Because mm. that's person I, or the policy or the party. Yeah, because yeah. like as up to this point, because I'm not educated enough in politics, I vote for the guy who I'm like, yeah, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. And I'm just going to vote for him. And that's that's how it's been in my one yeah. voting but, period. But, what, but what, what determined, like what touch points did you have, if any, that determined that that person was a good person? I think the last, like when I voted, I voted because he was standing there when I went into the voting place and he, and he said hi. And I was like, oh, hey, mate. Yeah. And like, and that, that was it. Yeah. So like, should I be voting James for the person like, or should I be doing more research? Well, that's, that's it. You get like, there's a whole week of early voting and you just got to be there and you mm. got to get to as many polling booths on the day and on campaign on the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is where it equally becomes quite fascinating. So that, like that interaction influenced your vote and for that poor soul, he's probably been working for years to like yeah. do great stuff that no one knew about, not enough people knew about. And, you know, but that was the interaction that, that clinched your vote. So it's really interesting, I think, then how you commute, how parliamentarians, see, I use the word parliamentarian, not politician. I was, yeah, I was literally going to ask you that exact question about 10 minutes ago. So how we communicate with people and, 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 that that's also a thing I think for us that every politician, politician or parliamentarian kind of thinks about quite often. The difference between parliamentarian and politician? I think so. I think a politician has brings to mind like your typical thought process of clashing, bickering, kind of just in it for themselves, whereas a parliamentarian is actually someone there that is there to serve the people. It's a bit more of a you know, considering the the history and the gravity of the role and you're actually there to give considered thought and some good policy and mm. serve and then move on. So I try and steer away from, like, I don't like thinking of myself as a politician. It makes a lot of sense because when I hear the word politician, my first thought is like fighting in the, like every every viral video you've seen inside the Senate yeah. or whatever, it's like, yeah. that's a politician. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's an interesting distinction. So let's talk now We've, I've grasped my head around. So we've got Liberal Labor say they get their seats either side of the table. Let's talk about ministers now because mm-hmm. you've got, let's use the hypothetical ones again, that there's 50 people that are liberal. You've got your liberal leader that's appointed. Is, do we choose our liberal leader or does the party, the par- the party the, choose yep. the leader? Yep. Um, and then you choose your minister from that. So how does out of the 50, how many ministerial roles are there and how do they get chosen? Yep. Because then you guys look after the service more so than just your area. That's it. Yep. So then you've got um, the Premier, yep. who's the 
So does the term in cabinet, like cabinet, have you heard of that one? You should. I've heard of it, but you should explain it. Okay, so it's <laughs> basically it. like the, if we use the business analogy, um, the, the ministers are your division directors. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or uh, like they're your generals out there yeah. in the field and the premier is the, the, the leader um, or the CEO. Yeah. And the premier will choose who the ministers are. Yeah. And they then become a, a part of the cabinet. And the cabinet goes back to, oh, I don't know, late 1800s. The cabinet's like the board of directors yeah. and the minister's the CEO. Yeah. Sounds like a very I mean, like sorry, pyramid. The premier's the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a bit of a pyramid, like premier. And then like a lot of lines going down to the individual yep, to the ministers, ministers yeah. direct and reports then to the ministers. And then, and then beneath that you've got the basically your standard member. Yeah. But the member for Manly will always be that, as well as potentially being a minister for yeah. something. As you know, I'm a minister for environment, so that's my task, and heritage. So they're my two departments that I that I look after. So is that essentially having two jobs? Yep. So you're a member and you're a minister. Yep. And they're two different things. Yep. Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting. That's and it. then the Premier reports to who? Essentially, no one. Like, well. Yeah, that was the next question for me. Then let's go to federal. Yep. Where does federal communicate with state? Yeah. So you have the same Because setup. the federal must give the state's budget is based on population or based on, That's because the thing. Because if all the tax goes to the federal government, they obviously have to yep. give money to all the state governments. Yep. So you've got the state with its responsibilities Set, like set out it knows it's got to do hospitals and yeah. roads and rail and police and then you've got the federal government that have the same setup so they've got ministers and the prime minister yeah the gst right so you know the 10 percent mm -hmm. on yeah. everything that gets collected and that is a huge generator of revenue for the federal government which they then distribute to the states to help pay for bits and pieces yeah so all sorts of there are different funding agreements uh, for all different sorts of service levels or, or things that need to be delivered, um, but and they kind of work together. But the premier, each premier runs their own state, and mm -hmm. basically, don't there is not really then a hierarchy to need to like they wouldn't meet with the prime minister and say, "Hey, are you cool if I do ABC in New South Wales uh, or like yeah. whatever?" So the federal government doesn't have much to do with the nursing in New South Wales. Doesn't have anything to do with the roads in New South Wales. Doesn't have anything to do with the schooling in new south wales no, it's all other than maybe from time to time joint funding yep. so we might say hey this is a really good project we need to build a new bridge from here to here um we the state will pay 60 percent how about you guys jump on yeah, yeah. yeah. right okay. so that's why during covid every state had their own policies because exactly. it wasn't an australia thing it was yeah. a state thing yeah and then they got the national cabinet together to say look some of this stuff isn't working and if if we had time again you, pr you probably wouldn't they probably wouldn't end up with the system we've got right now mm. because it is a bit challenged and is are, it possible to change that ah oh, it's very hard very hard but mm. you, you can improve how it all how each level works together okay that might be a good question and this is like kind of, i don't know kind of a little bit off topic but this is a good question for you because this is something that a few people wrote into me what about when it comes to big oil mines and gas mines and stuff like pep 11 Isn't yeah that just really back, topical right yeah, now? yeah yeah so yeah is that federal level because it's like these massive conglomerate coal companies yep 
And then how much say do you have if they're like, yeah, we're actually going to go drill off New South Wales and you're like, fuck off, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> yeah. how, much is, how much is your word respected on a yep. national level? So that's where there are like dual layers of, of, of responsibility and approvals that are needed. So in New South Wales last year, we came out like, nah, sorry, offshore drilling for gas is a shit idea and we are, we are banning it. Like we're not going to do it. So the state government has said from here to here, not happening. Yeah. And but, that's you, yeah, environment minister. Yep. Although or the, natural the, resources. It, natural resources. Hey, hey. Genius. Yeah. Do remember something. <laughs> but around cabinet table, right, yeah. me as environment minister would have a view when we're talking about it. I go, yeah, yeah, get like absolutely not. So that's where the discussion comes into effect and the, and the advocacy. But then the, the law says that I think it's, like six nautical miles off the coast then becomes federal water, oh, right? Okay. So then you need them to say, no, no go. Like we're not doing this. So oh. the state, it's like a double lock kind of mechanism. Yeah. So the state can say, no, we're not doing it. And that makes it difficult, but it might not rule it out entirely because you need the federal government to say, yeah, we'll sort the other bit out, which is the federal waters, for example. How so, far off is international water then? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think you keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Longer than the oil, further yeah, than yeah. the oil. Um, so that's an example. Or then you've got, uh, we were talking about soft plastics before. Yeah. So, you know, um, we're trying to harmonize nationally how each state bans certain problematic plastics. So New South Wales, we've got our plan and we're doing this. South Australia are banning, uh, or WA have banned takeaway coffee cups mm. but the, the a lot of the cafes that might have operations in all of the states like guys would really appreciate some consistency here mm. so all the national all the state environment ministers sat around and we had a meeting like hey let's just work together to mm. harmonize what we're doing yeah. and get everybody up to the same speed yeah right so like when coles got rid of their single-use plastic bags yep and they chose to do that Australia-wide, would that just be for them to make it easier because maybe some states banned them, some states hadn't, and there was like, there's too much going on? Yep. Huh. Yep. So they've just taken lead. And that's a great example of where you've got business um, who from time to time are demonized, I think unfairly, you've got them leading the way and, and innovating and saying, yeah, we hear our customers that they're not cool with this, so we're going to make the call to ban this or move ahead of government to 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 make a change yeah right i've got a bit of a left field question now it's kind of approaching it from the complete other side so obviously the post-school podcast is very like career focused how if one wanted to have more of a say than just their vote how does someone get into politics because Mm -hmm. i don't remember learning about politics in general let alone politics as a career Mm -hmm. in school like how where do you need a degree (laughs) No, like it's all comers. And and I think that's kind of the beauty of the system is that there are people in parliament that... Um, Michael Hooper, you said. Uh, um, David, David Pocock. Yeah, Pocock. Yeah, yeah. So Wallaby, he's in, yeah. he's in the federal Senate. You've got um, in New South Wales parliament, like, you know, boilermakers and people that ran chefs and like all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life. Are there many young people? Not really. Isn't there another guy from, isn't the Pitwater member quite young as well now? Uh, My dad tried to tell me that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's taking over from, from Rob, or well, hopefully. Um, 
So I got elected at 32 and I think there's me and three or four others who are around the same age. Oh. Yeah, right. How did you work like from your 20s up until 32? What was the process to get to being a member? I don't, and we kind of, you know, there's not, listen to my podcast. Yeah, 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 no, there's not really a straight Cheeky line. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's no straight line. Okay. I think what makes good parliamentarian is a bit of a politician is. Actually, I got a good question. Sorry. Sorry yeah, to cut yeah, you yeah. off. I think this is a good question to kind of lean into this. How when um, Mike Baird was a member before you, yeah, for Liberal, yep. and he was the Premier, how do you get a, how does the Liberal Party, or how do you say to the Liberal Party, hey, I want to run for Liberal in Manly mm. after Mike, rather than Nathan from down the street? Yep. So a member like, how do you the, put your foot yeah, forward? Yeah. Signed up as a member of the party. I did that because if you go back to the philosophy discussion we had, that's one that I subscribe to. Service, yeah. Right? So I joined the party and then... Um, when you say you joined the party, what does that mean? So I went on the website. It's like joining a board rider club. Went on okay. the website, downloaded the form. Literally signed up. Signed up. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, signed up and then was a member for a while and volunteered for him during his campaigns and stuff. But in the for Mike Baird's manly party, yep. you were like helping out where you could. Helping him out. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Um, oh, so is that the people that wear the shirts on the left? Yeah. So that, that, that like this morning I was out, um, you know, and my family and my friends will come out and help on election day. Um, just other people that I've helped in the community are like, yep, I love what you did. And they me. have to sign up online to be part of it? No, they, they could just volunteer for, okay. for me. But if you want to join the party, you just go online, any party. You just go online to their website and there'll be a membership form there. Wow, that's like super. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you also just touched on something that I really wanted to talk about and I'm glad you reminded me because I'd almost forgot. With campaigns, especially around election time, how is that funded and how is that started and what happens if you win and what happens if you lose? Yeah. Like, is it privately funded? Do you fork it out of your own paycheck? Yeah. How does a campaign yeah. happen? So that's a really good question. There, there's, um, there are caps. So in the state, in New South Wales, you can only spend around $200,000 in Manly to try and get reelected or elected but in the federal campaign there's no cap so in some of the really ding-dong battles that they've had around the country they chucked in like a million dollars to to the campaign um the the liberal party fundraises over a year by having dinners and doing all sorts of different things and generates money so they all provide some to help the campaigning but then um a lot of it's left up to the individual member. And so um, I had a function last year where people came along and they were members of the community, family, friends, and we raised money out of that through the ticket right. price. So it doesn't come from taxpayer money? No. But there is a move or a suggestion that that would actually be a better idea if the, the taxpayer or the electoral commission just said, All right, enough with fundraising. We will just give all of you... A certain amount of money to to do the campaign, and then so and that's then a that's fair it. playing field, more so. Well, and also to try and deal with the either perceived or real issue around um, lobbying yeah. and corruption. See, that's a big one. Like bureaucrats and lobbying and stuff is just like. So, yeah, I mean, you see this in the it, the US is an example of where it's gone completely in the wrong, wrong wrong direction. So you've got you know businesses and lobby groups who write a check to a candidate and say, listen, 
get this done or if this is your policy then we'll bankroll you to, to win that in my view like i have never ever in six years been approached by someone who has said oh, you know i'll give you a bit of money but i need you to like mm. that's just i would be flawed if that happened but it's not saying it doesn't happen that's a question i want to kind of ask and this runs off that a little bit but the idea of something that i've just seen like on tv and stuff quite a bit lately and i was speaking to my dad in the car about it before i came here was the idea of like stock manipulation mm-hmm. nancy pelosi is the first name that comes to mind because you keep seeing her everywhere what's in place here in australia because even i don't know, i don't this is before I get called out for this, I didn't really know this. What my dad said to me, he's like, Jacinda Ardern made 20 or $30 million off investing in pharmaceuticals right before COVID. I don't know where he heard that, but anyway, that's what he told me. And he also <laughs> told me like Malcolm Turnbull, there's there's just a lot of stuff that you hear that's quite dodgy of politicians making great amounts mm. of money because policies positively affect their mm. thing. What things do we have in place here in Australia to make sure that doesn't happen? Politicians... Yep investing in areas that they know are about to change because of a policy or rezoning that's about to happen um a lot so as a minister i have to publish every quarter every single meeting i've had so you guys can go online look it up cooper and uncle nath yeah and (laughs) and you can see like this is who he's met with wow every single meeting what if you don't put it down and you don't get caught out um Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That, that's what I mean. That, you that's could, you could, sneakiness but of humans. Like, like, be, you will get. Yeah. Like, yeah. So then you've got that. So you've got like yeah. that level of transparency around who's this person met with. The second layer is that all of my um, interests, like financial and otherwise, are documented and then um, published through the mm. parliament. And as a minister, I can't have any shareholdings that are directly related to okay. my portfolio. So it's quite, and that also goes for your significant other or like immediate family members. In addition to that, if I get punted, for example, I can't go and join a business that I've, that's been in my portfolio, like ministerial area for 18 months. Yeah. So lots of checks and balances. But to your point, like people, if they want to game the system, they're going to game the system. Probably could, but... We also have a very, very um, uh, kind of ferocious independent watchdog. commission. Yeah, watchdog. What about that with all this new stuff on the National Commission that they bring yeah, in? Obviously, with all the stuff happening with Scott Morrison and um, I feel like maybe I'm getting all this right. I don't know. Like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're <laughs> on. Yeah, called out and putting himself as a yeah, minister of yeah. everything. Like, and Labor will call him to yeah. have like a royal commission on or what? What's yeah. it called? Not a royal commission. Uh, yeah. Um, Literally no. called the Royal Commission. Yeah, Royal Commission. Yeah. <laughs> so to keep an eye on what the federal government yep. is doing. So they're planning to so, sort of replicate what we have in New South Wales at a federal level. Okay. So that that is the watchdog of elected officials, politicians, bureaucrats, and, and all that sort of stuff. So like what you have to do, they would have to do it yep. as well. And there would be a body there that would, would oversee them. But in context... Australia is a really well-functioning democracy with yeah. very low levels of corruption um, because there's In comparison to a lot of places. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, like yeah. Brazil, when we, when we last caught up, yeah. my um, beautiful partner Carol was here and that was right when all the Brazil um, new president came in, yeah. Lula and stuff, and like their whole country's in turmoil. Like As much as sometimes we think like, oh, politics is gone to shit. It's, like, <laughs> it's pretty good here, really. That's it, right? Like I think sometimes we lose perspective and... 
we can get caught up in first world problems, um, but we're pretty lucky. You know, mm. It functions. Sometimes it's really annoying, but it um, generally works pretty well. Mm. So then you as a member mm. and as a minister, what is day-to-day life like? Like, what do you, what do, you do every day? Yeah, it's um, quite a distinct jump from being the member to a minister. Um, but as a member, the, the, you kind of, for some, the last port of call, if they've got a serious issue in, in their life. So a lot of social housing concerns, people that are, that are kind of got various legal issues through to people that are wanting to, you know, deliver a better outcome or get a school upgraded or, you know, they've got a passion project that they really want delivered in the community. So often it's a lot of troubleshooting and kind of hearing people's concerns and trying to resolve them. So it'd be like if if you weren't the member, I'll say even as you as a member for Manly, if Manly Public School came to you and said, hey, we really need an upgrade here, then you as a member would go to the education minister for New South Wales and go, hey, Manly really needs a school. Yep. What can we do here? Exactly right. Right. So you're yep. the spokesperson. Yeah, you're an advocate for yeah. this community. To your, yeah. So is that where like if your, your community is labour, has labour in their seat or the opposition is their seat, that's where like there is a collaboration because it's like just because you're liberal doesn't mean oh, I'm not going to do anything for the labor yeah. seats. It's like, no, we have to work. As yeah. A- and that's the part that you mentioned before around what you don't see. Yeah. So the media will never report on that. But, you know, the, the, the bureaucracy, like the government sit down and will do up a list of like, okay, using the data, these schools are bursting mm-hmm. at the seams. They might be in liberal, labor, doesn't independent, matter. doesn't matter. We've just got to get it done and fund mm-hmm. it. Often you need a good advocate to be a good advocate as well and yeah. go in and kind of really sell, you know, yeah. uh, I need this done. Um, so there's that. And then there's also, as a member, you get a great deal of freedom to kind of work out what your strategic plan is for your community and build on, you know, things that have been, that you pick up, like I'll meet with the Manly Chamber of Commerce and local business owners and environment groups and sporting clubs. And you start to build a picture of what's needed in the community and then go away and kind of, So it sounds like a lot of your time is spent empathizing with people within that community. Definitely, that must be a really hard skill to build. It's um, I if you're doing if having a big day, you feel super drained at the end. Yeah, because you're just you're giving out and like you never you can't forget that for that person, it's everything. It's everything, Mm. and it might just be that your last meeting of the day, but this person's come in and they've you know they've parked their car like this tiny little thing, but they parked their car in no parking zone, but they had to get it, someone to hospital. So they got back and there was a ticket and, you know, like it, just something like that for them, it's, it's going to break their bank account for the month. But mm. for you, it's the last minute of the day, but you can still, you got to go through through to some really like hardcore issues that require some really significant lifting. It must be incredibly fulfilling as well. When yeah. You when you get wins. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And then the ministry, um, I have, it has been the, the, like a professional career highlight to be the environment minister. It's just been phenomenal. Like I've, I've never seen more of New South Wales mm. in the last year than I had seen in my whole life. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Let's go top three wins as environment minister for the last year that you've yep. had. Um, top three wins. One would be through our rewilding program, we reintroduced 10 species that were previously extinct in New South Wales. Wow. From other states. Yeah, using Taronga Zoo or other states, we got them. So what we did was you find areas where they previously existed. And that's a policy that you brought in? Yeah. Good idea. Rewilding. Um, 
create a huge fenced off area and then you remove all the ferals and then reintroduce those species they breed over time and then repopulate that area epic yeah what are some of those species um betongs um little bush rats all sorts of amazing you know cute little animals that are the engineers of the of the ecosystem, ecosystem. Mm. move wow. soil like create better soil quality um propagate plants do all sorts of different things so it's bringing the bush back to what it was mm. um and that to me to reintroduce 10 extinct species is something that won't be reported on because it's a good story mm. and we're conditioned that when it comes to the environment it's all doom and gloom but mm. we're seriously turning a corner so that would be yeah. one good idea. i'm going to keep pushing on that second would be uh the big one was banning some, um, plastics. some use plastics which has been awesome and then the third one um i i, I think that's yet to come I'm got something coming. Yeah, I got a, I got a good one. I got a good one coming. I'm so, I'm fingers excited. crossed. So let's talk about real quickly how that works. So you're the environment minister. How do you come up with a policy to reintroduce ten yep. new animals? How do you come up with the plastic policy? And then do you put together? Do you have like a team of people that are helping you? Do you yep. put together a package. You take it to the premier and go, "Hey, we need this much funding. Can you make it happen?" Yep, that's generally it. So it all comes about because of amazing. Um, public servants and bureaucrats who come from academia or they're working out in the field as national park rangers and scientists and they pull it all together and create the policy. And then we look at that in the context of all sorts of other things. So what's going to make the biggest, quickest, most significant difference. And for me, you know, and each minister has their own different style, but for me, I started with the view of, I don't know how long I'm going to have this job. So I'm going to make every day count. I'm just going to smash it out and, just do as much as quickly as possible that will make the biggest impact so expanding the saving the rewilding projects was was one and then you get the support of your of the cabinet of all the other ministers if you if the policy requires change in law which is what we needed with the plastics yeah. because it basically said if you're an importer of plastic bags it's over so that needed a law change so you need to get support for that that's done you put that through parliament gets approved boom Mm-hmm. and then off it goes uh-huh. how did you with that single use plastic sorry this just came to mind mm. so as a business who imports plastic bags yep. do you as someone who's essentially just cancelled their business then say unfortunately your business is cancelled we can help or is it just like yeah that sucks see smart question and that's why things take time so we needed to give a long lead in time to say to these businesses hey look we're going to bring this change in um, you need to start looking for alternatives than the plastic bags or the single-use plastic cutlery. But at the same time, we work with industry to say, hey, is there a viable alternative? And and they're going, yeah, there are. There's the bamboo cutlery. Um, you know, Sam's wheat these, straws. Yeah, like that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So there's all sorts of different alternatives. So it's not as though we left them in the lurch and said, we're removing your opportunity to do this. I mean, if you're making plastic bags, you should get left in the lurch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you're right, and that's why things take take time. Yeah. And it's a pretty collaborative effort. So you yeah. work with industry, environment groups, you know, uh, and and kind of make it work. Yeah, because obviously, if you just cut it off as well, like regardless of the business, that's also a lot of jobs that would just be gone without yeah. a viable alternative. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So. Sounds like you have a lot to think about for every single policy. <laughs> yeah. there are both sides of the equation. And, and, but as we like kind of unpacking, like 
then I think as a citizen, you're like, why, why does it take so long? Or why can't these guys just do this as quickly as possible? But mm. when you're on the other side, you're going, yeah, but the unintended consequence of doing that is all of these different things. So it needs good considered thought to deliver the outcome. Mm. And, and sometimes what would seem as a really quick policy win might have a perverse outcome. Yeah. Um, so it's quite hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go off kind of this idea of this job staff with the advancement in technology, specifically AI coming over the next, oh, it's here, a lot of jobs are going to become obsolete in the next 5, 10, 20 years. What sort of things do you, for one personally, whether it's from your political standpoint or not, do you think we're going to be able to do to combat that? Because if 40% of jobs become obsolete, we're going to have a lot of people out of work. Mm. How are we going to maintain a system that's functioning? Yeah. Um, is it, what's it called? Chat GPT. Chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, it saved me a lot of time already. <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Your whole yeah. script today. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, my advertising chick and editor have both been fired. And <laughs> it's, but, um, but what a, what a pretty, like, it's a wild example of where we're heading. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the sorts of big long term visionary policy concepts that governments spend a lot of time thinking about. And and our economy has evolved over over centuries. Australia was built off the back of the sheep, like that was its original kind of. We would export wool. Um, we produce food and fiber and export that to other countries. It then evolved into a professional services. You know, we export. Um, you know, we have uh, financial services, a huge export industry. Um, we provide a great university system and a whole host of other stuff, but what's next? And that's where there's um, an opportunity to help build industries of the future, whether it's um, software engineers or, or you know, in, in the tech space through to maybe advanced manufacturing. So I have a problem with the fact that a lot of what we do is dig up material out of the ground. We send that over to another country they add value to it and then we buy it back makes no sense we've got so many natural resources energy prices and then as well like the corporate tax on a lot of the mega billion billion dollar coal companies are paying zero tax in australia it just makes zero sense in my mind like how do we do anything about that well and then the, the missing piece is that in those other countries the the cost the amount you need to pay a worker is so low Mm. that it, when they do the sums, they're like, well, even if for shipping and getting it back here, it's still less than what mm. it would make to make it here. So we've got to try and deal with that and 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 change that. And there are ways in which it can be done. So I went and met a business in Brookvale, which is an awesome hidden gem in terms of things that they build and make out there. And these guys um, made elements of satellites um, that they sold internationally and basically they made the small little parts and modules of, of, of satellites from the aluminium and, and the, and the pulling it together all done in Brookvale. Um, so quite a smart industry making things like it's, it's still, it's still uh, an example of manufacturing that we have here. Mm. It's trying to stand all that up and keep that going. So to combat that sort of stuff, is that where you like introduce subsidies and try to make it cheaper for them to keep the business in Australia? Yep. Or is there, can you go from the other side and like make it more expensive to export and then import? I reckon the subsidies, the training of, of talent as well. So getting people coming out of school who 
you know, still want to make things with their hands and, and can actually do a trade. Um, but making that a really valuable job because it is um, and trying to support them through grant funding to help improve their export capability. So they're selling more into the international markets. So these guys had a great brand and they've, and they've been there for a long time, but they're really starting to take off. But I think it's also about being quite smart of where are the global opportunities? And, you know, you've got Atlassian and Canva, all, you know, mm. Australian Genesis, um, which are big mega companies now. Yeah. Um, so we can do stuff and, and do it really well. It's just you've got to, you know, change. I mean, the other challenge we've got is just the, the, the vastness of this country. Like you're either in Sydney or Melbourne, and then beyond that, it starts to get quite challenging to have a, a, a center of gravity that's big enough to kind of sustain an industry. industry. Yeah, it's tricky. One other thing that I just quickly want to touch on before we get into what your plans are for the future and give you a little spot is something that is super important to both myself and Nate. Um, both of us are very interested in, well, not interested, what's the way to say this? Both of us think that we kind of were failed at school and a lot not failed at school that's like and as well this isn't directed at you and you're not the education minister and it's not directly but i think just as a whole the australian schooling system i think the global schooling system to be honest needs a change like it's a system that's been in place for however long like you know i mean you look back people are using chalkboards and stuff obviously it's upgrading a bit to a bit more technologically advanced now but the system of doing an hour lesson doing English, math, science, geography, blah, blah, is still pretty much intact. When if you ask me, if you ask Nate, if you ask, I reckon 90% of young people, they'll say they didn't get prepared Mm. for outside life. Mm. How do we make changes within the schooling system to better facilitate young people actually moving into the real world? Because me working in the mental health industry, from my own personal experience, I think one of the main reasons why I would have any what I'd call mental health challenges and my lack of understanding and my lack of education around the finance system, around generating wealth, around understanding my tax. And that's something that makes me lose sleep at night. So I know there is definitely a huge number of people yep. who struggle because they weren't educated around finance. I know there's a huge amount of people who struggle. It's all well and good to be the smartest person ever, but if you don't know how to manage your emotions, mm. if you don't have intellectual skills, it's pointless. Mm. So how do we implement change through the schooling system and how do we give young people like us a voice to be like hey what we're doing isn't working it's not giving us the right chance when we leave we don't understand politics we don't understand our australian culture we don't understand the finance system we barely understand how to deal with our emotions with our mental health we don't know how to grieve we don't know any of these things Mm. and people one of the arguments is oh but that's what your parents are there for there's a hell of a lot of people that don't have parents. Our parents went through the same school system. Exactly. They're still missing out on the same stuff. I guess in a nutshell, it's like, I feel like the school system is teaching us to be good employees. How do we change the school system to teach us to be good humans? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's such a disconnect. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) It's It's massive. I guess the, the, the curriculum, mm. which sort of dictates what is taught yeah. at what point, what year, and all the rest of it, uh, again, brings us back to our opening point, is different in each state. Yeah. So there is sort of, to, to a degree, of, uh, an, a consistent national view on what should be taught and where and when. But by, you know, generally speaking, it's each state sets its own curriculum. In New South Wales, uh, just um, scrubbed up on it before, we're undertaking a curriculum review 
to look at a wholesale look at, okay, what is being taught when and is it right? But we touched on this last time and I think it you're right. It seems like there's a missing point around the fundamentals of life and there's almost a, you know, a, a session in school that should be done at a, at the right point in time. Because I think for civics, for example, when I was in school, it was like year 10 or something. Civics, but... Okay. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> really? Yeah, Never even civics. heard of it. That, that was like studies. no, no. That was like like the elect electrals like yeah. Well, we, and there wasn't yeah, a single lesson that I got out of, that I can recall that was about politics. Well, okay. We had one when we learned about the prime minister, right? And that's as far as it went. Okay. So yeah, I thought there was a a whole I learned more about term. other countries like I'd studied modern history so I learned all about the bloody third reich and know more <laughs> about the german political system during world war 2 than I do about yeah. australian political there you system go. Yeah, so I, I, I thought there was a civics like which was basically here is the australian political system 101 well you could do legal studies but that but no everyone's going to do that exactly yeah. it's an elective um or the foundations of you know, how does your superannuation work? Exactly. What I have is no tax? idea with that. None of that. You know, no all no of idea. that. What's compound interest? So um, I'd, I'd hope and I'm, that that's being considered as a part of the curriculum review, which then basically says, okay, school system, this is what's going to be taught in public schools and to a degree influence your private and Catholic school systems basically saying, you know, these are the fundamentals that need to be taught. Because, yeah, it, it's raised often in terms of well, what about you know where are the simple things that okay it's not an isosceles triangle but this is what superannuation is about yeah. um, every kid knows what pythagoras theorem is <laughs> but majority don't know how to do their taxes yeah. when they leave school and, and, we, and we should do both because yeah. i think you need critical thinking you need to understand you know how to interpret texts like how mm. to how to appreciate written word that's important but it's also as important as understanding, you know, where does your tax go and mm. all the rest of it. So I, mean, I feel yeah. like I've learned in this last hour more about the political system than I have in the last 28 years. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Maybe we should get them to play this at every school. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. Something, no. that, something that I've like, because obviously what we do, I have that question all the time. Like, mm. so then how do we change what you're saying needs to be changed? Mm. The way that I like to think about it as well is like, People like us who are having this conversation whilst right now, well, you're much closer than we are, but whilst right now we don't run the country, mm -hmm. eventually these people that want change will be in positions to create change. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as much as we want change right now, it's more of a, as time goes on and the people that are currently running the way that it works die off for lack of a better, yeah. for lack of a better mm -hmm. term, mm -hmm. then these people who want change and know what that change looks like, then come into play and start to create those changes. So I think it's almost a bit of a waiting game. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. I think, you know, generational change comes through and different demographics get into positions of power and influence and it will bring about significant change. But I also think don't discount you know, that's been, again, one of the things that I've found really interesting about us has been, you know, concentric circles of, of people that we've met in friendship groups and stuff. And there's kind of a ripple effect. Now, we're having a discussion about, and, and you know, you've met a politician now. Mm, absolutely. You know, and it's not probably what you thought. And, yeah. you know, it, it's not as um, isolated and, and far away as, as, as I think a lot of people think.
Like, yeah, you're yeah. telling me you're not selling yourself the whole time. Wait, what? But it, it, you know, it's not. And it, look, it's probably fair to think that it is because it's you get a 10 second clip on the news or a headline on online, and people just roll their eyes and go, "Yeah." Mm. Think yeah. they think they know someone because they saw something that pop up on an Instagram yeah. clip. This has been an epic chat and we're definitely getting well and truly we're about to hit an hour so well i want to be very respectful of your time as we've seen through this chat you have a hell of a lot on your plate it is a friday afternoon you've got a beautiful young family as well that i know i'm sure you're keen to walk up the hill here to manly and go and see so the last little segment that i want to give you is a bit of a platform not from a way that i want to give you a political leg up but what what are you looking forward to in the future if you do get re-elected what are a few of your promises moving forward and where do you see the next three years for new south wales yeah it's um so at this point we're 50 days out from the election um i've of the view that you you know if you've done the work over your your term like, which is four years, then people will respect that and respond pretty well to it. Um, but it, from a hyper-local perspective, it's um, like, you know, Bally Boys, if you've ever been there, it needs it needs some love. So get that upgraded as, a, as and turn that into a beautiful um, school that, that will give them good learning experience in terms of the infrastructure that they've got. There's some poles in your area. Yeah, they're it's up going co-ed. Like, co-ed, yeah. yeah. That's where I went. Yeah. That Did was you? my high school. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going, going co-ed. So. I can't imagine that. That's the okay. weirdest concept yeah. to me ever. Um, but that would be good. Yeah, I think um, it needs it. Yeah. And then uh, other thing, you know, the old aquarium? Looks like mm. Pizza Hut. Yeah. Yeah, so to, demolishing that and basically returning that to the open public space yeah i saw that plan yeah that looks cool so that'll be really good um so you've got some things like that i'm also gonna work really hard to bring back the gem that is manly lagoon so i went out there on a kayak actually with some local residents and saw it from the water for the first time it's amazing it's nice yeah well it's not great at the moment yeah but um it used to be swimmable so there'd be some really cool work to, to rehabilitate the, the riverbank, improve the water quality and kind of bring that area back to life. That'd be great for days like this when you can't find a car spot on the beach. Absolutely. Go swimming in the lagoon. Yeah. What about on a – so if you get re-elected, do you maintain your environment minister if the Liberal Party gets in as a whole? Yeah. So not necessarily. Normally when there's a re-elect – like a – There's a, a shuffle. There's a shuffle. Ministry. Yeah. So – I'd like to think that um, I could hold on to it and You've keep it. You've done a it. good job, yeah. yeah. Um, and often if you do a good job, you'll be moved on to something more challenging or difficult. Yeah. But I'd say that... What's more challenging exactly. than environment? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. that's kind of the level below like, yeah. Is it your goal one day to be the head of the Liberal Party in New South Wales or is that not on the ambition list? No, I, I think... Um, you got to be a pretty special person to be the premier and and pretty uh, special. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I love my environment work, and we'll just see what the future holds. But what about if it's to say hypothetically you get um, in as environment minister? What are your what does the future look like for New South Wales environment yeah. fit with it? What are some things that you'd love to get? Oh, I done? just want to continue growing our national park estate. So New South Wales national parks, um, keep keep growing that, expanding that. Keep working with um, landholders, farmers, and others to in- introduce sustainable farming, mm. so that they're getting good export opportunity. Because a lot of countries want our our goods, um, but if you've got a sustainable product, then they love it even more. So helping um, farmers and their communities 
um, really engage and deliver good environmental outcomes. Amazing. Yep. You got anything else you want to ask? No, nah, I just lost both cameras. So. <laughs> no, no, they're just uh, face cameras. So yeah. we've, got, we've still got, got the YouTube camera. stuff. Everyone will be able to see and hear still. But, man, this has um, been epic. It's great to catch up. Yep. Obviously, I spend a lot of time on the Gold Coast now, kind of call it home, but also, I don't know, it's probably super illegal what I'm doing, but I, <laughs> I spend so much time in my family home that I still have my driver's license and stuff and voting New South Wales. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, been great to come back down. Thanks for letting Nate come and meet you for the first time. Thank you so much. He'll be super stoked. It's been awesome. It has. And just thank you for giving us a platform to ask you some questions, pick your brains about politics and get a bit better. I feel like I seriously jumped the biggest bridge in politics I ever have in my mind. Good at this um Good. this little chat. So yep. we'll have to maybe do one again down the line and maybe go a bit deep because I feel like we didn't really hit the federal side and stuff. Mm-hmm. We I feel like got a pretty good grasp, but it's kind of that on the next level well, federal. I, I saw for you it was the footy analogy. The well, I don't think it was the footy analogy. It was just when you said you've got the opposition and you've got the um, parliament that kind of like back and forth, but everyone who's in parliament are just your liberal or mm. the party that's in members are on one side and then the opposition still sit there. So like, yeah. so, so for instance, if you yeah get your manly seat and liberal don't get in, mm. you kind of just don't have as much pull, yep. but you're still there. You're still there. Okay. Yep. But yeah. what about say Labor gets a seat here? Do you still work as a liberal? Nope. No, then so you've got no job. Bye bye. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And that's the, the brutal until somebody until the next election comes and you could be like all right i'm back campaigning i want to get back in but probably not yeah someone Um, else give someone else a go yeah and that's where Uh, just kind of finish up like again you guys are the are the masters yeah because with your vote you say either we're keeping you or you're gone (laughs) yeah yeah which is kind of cool that's why so many people in politics often move on to different industries as well because that's it yeah. Like you're here and then you're not. Reminds me yeah. of my dad. He was a football coach. And it's just like, you're done. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find something else. <laughs> yeah. Just try the best you can, deliver, and then and that's it. Yeah. All right. Last question before we finish. Before, because um, this is, I just feel like kind of an interesting question, which might give a bit of a take on the sort of person you are. Hypothetically, you don't win the seat. Mm. We don't want that to happen. You don't. Where do you see your future going? Oh, uh, I think because of the work i've done in the environment space i've come across so many amazing groups doing great stuff so you'd have to wait 18 months to work yeah, with right. them Keep spend up. some time with the family yeah yeah yeah. Take some time off. <laughs> yeah um yeah look plenty of options but i think if you're a professional committed to something you kind of got to park that and just be completely committed to delivering yeah. so i haven't put too much thought to it okay. but some time with the kids yeah would be really welcome epic well man thank you so much on behalf of me and the good human factory and good humans podcast thank you from me uncle nath the post school podcast we're gonna release this on both podcasts so it's gonna be a lot of people listening and gaining as much value as coops and i just gained from that chat so lovely to meet you and thank you so much yeah likewise it's been good yeah hopefully everyone is listening make sure you go vote make sure you this is something i'm gonna ask this because this is important where do people find policies if it's like I want to vote for James, but I want to go and do my vote. All those people come and try and give you bloody signs. I just yeah. walk straight past. Yeah. I can't handle it. Yeah. But if you want to learn about policies and what one party wants to do compared to the other, like I think there should be like a bloody iPhone comparison. Like this is what this one policy yeah. is. This is what different. Yeah. How do we find that? Uh, Instagram. Yeah. So, each- so follow your local members. Yep. And yep. Who- yep. Google, find out who your local member is, follow them on Instagram or Facebook. And then each 
local each candidate will have their own website as well and they they should be documenting their policies there okay yep but also you got to be realistic about it so kind of read it and think you know how achievable is what they're yeah because what if somebody has a, sorry i kind of wrapped it up but we're gonna keep going <laughs> where um if somebody says like hey i promise to do this they get in and they don't do it where's the accountability for the community members who are like well wait a second i wouldn't have voted for you if you weren't gonna yeah three and a bit years later they're gone like and oh, i think a lot of empty promises always i guess yeah i think though by and large most mps will work night and day to deliver to yeah. come good on their promises sometimes things are out of your control yeah you know but like the offshore mines that the state government the federal government comes in and go yeah sorry yeah we need we want the money yeah or a whole host of things yeah. might happen but um yeah so have a look at the policies and then determine you know what you want to do oh if the guy gives you a smile out the front then vote for last time i'll say thank you it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, great to awesome. catch up yeah thanks for good stuff Cooper. thanks normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.